Hi, I'm Dr. Emmanuel Aiko. The early signs of a heart attack can vary. The most common include squeezing across the chest, a feeling of unease, and a sense that something just isn't right. It can be easy to dismiss the early signs of a heart attack as the symptoms don't always feel severe. It's never too early to call 999 and describe your symptoms. Your NHS is here for you. Well, look at this! Here's the guy here just in the nick of time! What does that make us? Big damn heroes, sir! Ain't we just! From Baz Luhrmann, the director who reimagined Shakespeare, reinvented the musical, and redefined a classic, comes a bold new vision of an American icon. But this ain't no nostalgia show. We're gonna do something different. Comic book heroes all find their superpowers. Elvis found music. Uh, bring that bass up, Jerry. I wish to promote you, Mr. Presley. I believe I can be great. Some people wanted to put me in jail. It's a Wells movie. Don't so much as wiggle a finger. I'm gonna show you what the In that moment, Elvis, the man, was sacrificed. And Elvis, the god, was born. How do you define an orgasm? Define that for me, sexual being. How do you define sex? Hi, I'm Alex. America raised me to be ignorant about sex. The vulva? I think that's what that it's is. It's not the vulva. Vagina majoris. The vagina not minoris. Quite, not, not quite. No? Did you ever think you had to, like, have a sex talk with the kids? I was like, that should do it. We don't wait for people to say, I'm ready for algebra. We introduce that when they're developmentally ready to take on algebra. Ovaries. The cervix. Fund erection. Clitoris. But in America, comprehensive sex ed still meets a lot of resistance. It should stay out of sex. That belongs to the family. But if you, your parents, and their parents never learned to talk about sex, how do you learn to talk about sex? So, at 36 years old, I'm finally going to confront my fears head on. Hello and welcome to Shoot the Breeze on Resonance 104.4 FM, film and TV radio show, where a handful of film enthusiasts shoot the breeze about all things film and television. I'm Marcus E. Ako, and I'm so excited that we have uh, a return guest to the show, but we'll talk about that person in just a second. Hi, I'm producer Dave, and welcome to the show. Excellent. So, as always, every time, whenever we have this guest on the show, she's literally part of the show. We should just call, we should add her name to the title of the show because she's <laughs> on here so much, and we love it when she's on. So, please tell us your name and tell us where you're calling us from. Bonjour, Marcus. Bonjour, producer Dave. I am Juna Suru, and I'm calling from LA. It's great to be back on the show. It's always a massive pleasure, as, as you said, Marcus. You're a jet setter. It's like every, the last time we uh, last time I spoke to you, you were either in Saint Tropez or you were back in Paris or you were in London, and then you were back in LA, and then you're flying back around. It's just making me so jealous that you're just flying and seeing all these wonderful, marvelous places doing film stuff. Uh, so we we, we want to hear absolutely everything because the last time you were on the show, I unfortunately couldn't be here. This is just before you went off to Cannes, um, and you you were here with producer Dave. So. Um, let's do a quick recap. First of all, we're going to just jump straight in. This is Spotlight. I can't wait to hear more of what you've been doing. So let's jump straight in, first of all, about your Cannes experience for this year. So Genesuru, tell us, tell us about, tell us all about your Cannes experience 2022. It was such an incredible experience. So the 75th edition, which was quite an anniversary, was very 
major in many ways. First, it was the first edition that came back to normal after two years, because obviously we were also at the 74th Cannes Film Festival uh, last year, but uh, this year it was full back on. It really felt like being back home, you know, to see all the internationals coming um, to just celebrate cinema and probably also with even a more more educational uh, goal and even more of um, resonance uh, throughout the world because uh, of all of the geopolitics and you know all the challenges our world is um, going through right now and I, I really uh, I think as soon as I saw uh, the revelation of the official film poster of Cannes I really felt it was going to be um, quite a one because of, you know, how much it, it really educates and also reminds us uh, our responsibility and the, the amazing power of cinema. Um, and it was really successful. I am thinking, of course, about the Paris International Film Festival I represent. And we were back on to see some of our partners like Zeiss. Uh, who are also very much about educational. And so we, we host panels to have cinematographers speak about their work, about their craft, which is really important. Um, we also saw uh, our, our partner um, film festivals like Holly Shorts. We uh, organized events and we it was really a wonderful time also to finally see so many filmmakers in person. Because, you know, like traveling during the pandemic was so much more um, of, of an issue really. And now it, it really feels like being back home and like the, the world also wants to make up for the time. It feels like everyone wants to, you know, all the industry present can wanted to make, make up for the two years that were a little bit undercover, I guess. Uh, and the Cannes Film Festival is it's its its own animal, because even though you're you're uh, you're based in Paris, you've been you've, you've lived there all, almost all your life. It, when Cannes Fest, Film Festival comes around, it just becomes something completely different. It's like you're stepping into a new world, right? Every time, even no matter how many times you've been there, it's always very unique and different. So you stepped in, as you said, and you started meeting some of the people, some of the filmmakers especially. Give us some of the filmmakers uh, that you knew from your Paris International Film Festival that you finally got to meet face-to-face -face at Cannes Film Festival. Finally, we got to meet with Louise Briggs Anderson. She is the filmmaker behind The Pale and she has so many more projects also now. Um, I think she's realizing a book, but also um, an, um, an initiative which is called Changing the Narrative. She's very committed um, to bring her own experience and what she learned as a female filmmaker, a female identifier, how she managed to, you know, be on that journey. And I know she's also aiming at doing her first feature film. And all of this, we really uh, discussed quite a lot during the Paris International Film Festival in February. But to be in Cannes in person together uh, is really important because, you know, for instance, I was at the amazing um, Wifty uh, cocktail reception in partnership with the Hollywood Reporter at the Palais. And uh, we discussed um, how we can bring more initiatives like this to actually, we want to see the change. So we want to not only just here at the Paris International Film Festival champion women, but also transgenders, you know, of course, as a, a Shoot the Breeze is of course one of our loyal partners of, at the festival. Uh, we screened L'Autre Femme, The Other Women, which deals with the non-binary movement and in particular a transgender artist uh, based um, in New Caledonia, which is actually um, financed by Canal Plus. Um, but these stories need to be to be spread. So to actually be able to get together, I think we realize how much we can do virtually, but also we realize how much it's important to sometimes be in person, you know. And I think it's also probably the main takeaway from the pandemic is to see that the virtual world can help us in particular from a festival point of view to uh, give more access to people who have childcare or, or, or caring carers, basically also caring for parents or who just don't have the money to travel sometimes, even if it's just from Paris suburbs to Paris, really, or even internationally. But also we want to be back in person and we want to have this amazing connection which makes us love cinema. And we were so jealous that you got to go at uh, the Cannes Film Festival and you got to meet uh, Louise because obviously now we saw the video, we saw the films and the, the videos and the photographs 
uh, <laughs> two of you celebrating, and I, for one, was like, ah, just keep rubbing it in our face. Same was as as friends such as uh, the Shakespeare sisters, Hillary and Anne Elizabeth, as well as um, uh, Dom Lenoir and Connor Buru, who are going to uh, to to promote. Um, um, when the screaming starts and and so on and so forth, and uh, Shakespeare sisters were promoting um, Much Ado while they were there. So all of you guys were having a lot of fun. So I'm now making it right now as you are speaking. I am putting my foot down and I'm saying, producer Dave, you need to make sure that your passport is correct because next year, <laughs> 2023, Shoot the Breeze are going to be doing a show from Cannes Film Festival. I don't care. I don't. I, I've been saying for for the last few years that I'm going to wait till I have my film ready to go to Cannes Film Festival. But I can't wait anymore. I'm not waiting. So, Producer Dave, are you with me next year, Cannes Film Festival? Why not? Let's go. Why? That's, that's just, it's, it's like you're my hostage. I drag you everywhere we go. And like, wherever Marcus goes, I'll go. That's fine. <laughs> you're listening to Shoot the Breeze on Resonance 104.4 FM. I'm Marcus E. Ako. And I'm Producer Dave. And we're here with the delight delightful Jenna Suru, filmmaker, film festival director, uh, just film personality uh, who's who's just been recounting her l- wonderful experience at Cannes Film Festival 2022. Um, we wanted to ask you, <clears throat> as you were able to see a lot of films that we're not going to be able to see uh, at Cannes Film Festival, which ones, give us, uh, you know, a couple of films that you saw at the Cannes Film Festival that really moved you it really well you know got you going thinking i can't wait for the rest of the world to see these films give us give us a preview of some of the films that you saw you know it's so funny marcus because you mentioned uh, attending the Cannes film festival with producer dave and usually we do not have a lot of time to actually sit in the theater and watch a film at Cannes, just because we want to be with our filmmakers i'm also thinking of course of this explanation team we met for the first time and they're releasing this explanation right now in the uk so please check it out um but um Two films. The two films I saw this year were just incredible. Um, this was my ninth time attending the Cannes Film Festival, and they were definitely, you know, they, they'll definitely make their history books. Um, I'm thinking about Elvis, directed by Baz Luhrmann. So, um, oh my God, I, I'm I'm so gutted actually because I was really late. I wanted to do all the red carpet pictures, everything, but it's like people were queuing. The audience were queuing from 6 a.m. to see that movie. And it started at like 7 p.m. Crazy. Wow. Like crazy. Okay. And Baz Luhrmann is very popular in France. I am also a very big fan. You know, beauty, truth, and love resonates with us, I guess. Um, and when this appeared, like the Warner Bros. logo with beauty, truth, and love, the audience, I mean, it was so delightful because everyone screamed. You know, it was like a screaming from the heart. And not only is the movie incredible, it's getting released, I think, um, yeah, this week in the US, it's released now. Um, it's after about a third of the movie, uh, there is a scene with little Richard um, and the, the audience went crazy, me included. Like, I think everyone at the, you know, how at Cannes you sit in the theater and you're like, how oh, you really hope you're gonna be impressed and your expectations are so high. And this really was up there in terms of expectation. Uh, when this scene happened, like there was such an enthusiasm in the audience. It was beautiful to see. And after that scene uh, with little Richard, um, I think, uh, okay, I'm not gonna spoil the film. So, <laughs> but like every, <laughs> every scene after this, pretty much every single scene and every single scene with music, everyone screamed and, you know, we're celebrating cinema and what we were seeing on the screen because I think what Baz Luhrmann did is beautiful. I, I don't want to spoil the movie, but I think what I take away from it personally as a filmmaker is that you can see also his own evolution through his work um, and how also he is such a genius at um, representing, um, elevating the debate, I want to say. And Elvis is such an incredible artist who changed the world. Uh, A second film I saw was Rebel. Um, It's actually the lead child actor is actually one of the two directors, um, Little Brother. And it's a film which uh, addresses, um, it's a co-production between Belgium and Luxembourg. And it addresses, um, you know, younger, especially uh, younger males, uh, but truly also females sometimes who, who fly to Syria. 
Hugut, uh, Syria. Um, and what I really appreciated in this film is that I think from what I can read from the film, which actually picked an award, a special award from the jury, it's, um, I think the directors really wanted to make it educational because you can really understand there is no, they're not trying to point fingers. I think what they were doing was really educating about, you know, how it's important again to, to be very supportive of each other and also giving some keys for families, of course, you know, to look after their children and, and understand because obviously it can, it can touch anyone. Not only, you know, you think maybe poor families, uh, but no, it can touch everyone. And I think um, being not judgmental and supporting each other is key. And the movie beautifully expresses that. And I, I really hope um, a lot of people will see it so that, you know, we can um, get away to a better future. And the, the quality of the film was just incredible. The way they, you know, they represented what's going on is, it's just, uh, it was mind blowing. It, I was hope, I was hoping it was not going to like, um, you know, um, the, I was hoping it was, it was gonna stand throughout the movie. It's, it's a longer movie, it's more than two hours for sure, but yeah, it, it was incredible. Just working, working back or walking back through those three films, Rebel I've never heard of, so thank you very much for bringing that to our attention. Um, it's something I'll look out for because uh, I, I like being moved by those kind of movies, you know, the hidden gems that just come out. Elvis uh, with, you know, Baz Luhrmann, uh, he's one of my favorite directors. He, his, um, one of his films is in my top five favorite films of all time, Moulin Rouge. That film is just beautiful. It's, it's, you can watch it numerous times and still you pick up new things from it. Or every every aspect of that film is fantastic. So obviously you know that you know you take that you take is uh, Baz Luhrmann's Romeo and Juliet. You can see his different style in there. You know it's like, like it's very visual, very colorful, very bright, and he loves to play with music. So obviously Elvis being the king of rock and roll, as they as as he was named, obviously you know that that's something that when Baz Luhrmann puts his finger to it, it's amazing, right? So there's that. And then you mentioned just as you started, you talked about Ace Explanation, um, Alex Liu. Right. So uh, highly, you, I, I fully agree with you. Highly recommend if you haven't seen it, go get the opportunity to watch it. Ace Explanation, a documentary about uh, the, you know, sex education in America. Alex Liu was on the show with Leonardo Neri, Leo Neri talking about uh, the film when because it was in the Paris International Film Festival uh, this year. And it did. It was it's an amazing film. Loved it so much. It's so honest and funny and heart is like it's a heartwarming um and alex is he's he's made for screen it's basically he's fantastic right he's the narrator he's he's you know he's the documentarian but this dude is just he's, he's a handsome guy on on screen go watch ace sex explanation if you get the chance to see it you're listening to shoot the breeze on resonance 104.4 fm i'm marcus e Ako. and i'm producer dave and we're here with the wonderfully talented Jenna Suru, who is now talked about Can. We're going to push Can out of the way because everyone, I'm sick and tired of listening to people talk about how Can was wonderful this year and I didn't get to go see it. So move it out of the way. Let's look at more important things like what you're doing, Jenna Suru. So <laughs> what project... What am I doing? <laughs> That's a good question. <laughs> What project are you currently working on? And because you know, we know Large Door, uh, your the Golden Age, the fantastic film that you did. Uh, you've been it's been making the rounds, and every time I speak to you, there's something new that's happening with Large Door. So tell us what is new in the world of Genesuru and Large Door. We're very excited to announce um, the official selection as spotlight screenings of the Golden Age Large Door at the 31st edition of Cinequest which is being held on the third week of August. And so uh, the film Lash Door will be screening um, at the California Theater uh, in San Jose um, on Sunday, the 21st evening and Saturday, the 27th evening. So we're really excited. Um, really, I, I really want to thank um, Michael Rabel because I, I sometimes um, I'm very honored to serve as a juror at the festival. And I think really it, it's incredible to see that Lash Door is screening at an Academy Award qualifying festival, which I know for a fact screens so many educational, brilliant movies. And um, yeah, I just I just think also um, it's it's important to keep um, educating. We already talked about education on this show today and so many times because 
Um, as Can proved, uh, education and support are really the key to a better world right now. And um, it's, it's, a, it's the least we can say. So I really hope with Flashdoor, we can also educate the female gays and um, as the festival CineQuest tries to do also to uh, educate to the world regions that also shape cinema. And as you both know with producer Dave Marcus, that um, um, you've been so supportive of Flashdoor. It's the only film that's ever paid tribute to 60 Saint-Tropez and how much of an international hub for change it's been. And even until now in my eyes, um, we know mostly a uh, lot of the time Saint-Tropez mostly for the more like jet set life, but it's everything but that, like the authenticity of the village um, for those who get to know the village. So usually not in August, it's easier the rest of the time, but it's just a, uh, it's a village which really changed my life. And um, those of so many others, um, because of its history, because of all the artists who went there to find inspiration and actually bring change. So I'm excited to talk a little bit about that in August at CineQuest. Am I, am I, am I wrong uh, that CineQuest is uh, an Oscar, is an Academy Award qualifying film festival? It is, it is, it's, it's Oscar qualifying and um, we are very, very, very excited. So for, the, so for people who don't understand what that means, Oscar uh, Qualifying Film Festival, can you tell us what, what does that mean? Yes, absolutely. So the way, the way the Oscars goes is, is that um, before you actually win an Oscar, you need to be nominated. And before you're nominated, you need to be shortlisted. And before you're shortlisted, you need to be longlisted. So being qualified gets you longlisted. If you can move up the ladder, like, it's quite simple. In, like Put it like this, it's quite... Um, it's quite simple. So um, being, uh, and especially being a spotlight screening selection at CineQuest is, is, it means a lot because I know it's going to um, make the movie more known. You know, Last Door is going to be more discussed and we need to see more of that gaze. You, you both know the film so well, but just for maybe those who are listening and, and don't know what Last Door is about, it's about a female actor in the 60s who is a little bit um, uh, stuck in her era and she feels she can do so much more than what she's expected of. And um, I, I was so honored to embody that character and I, I did a lot of research with amazing female pioneers and, and men who helped them. You know, I'm thinking about Alice Guy, who was originally financed by Gaumont, where I actually started my career too, uh, a few years ago. So um, it's just um, it's just incredible to be able to share those stories, and it's important. And please do uh, if you if you really um, don't think you can bring change, please um, please do be convinced that you can bring change. You can share, you know, a female director's uh, film on social media. You can you can promote it. You can attend festivals and and give them a lot of support. It's all in the little things. And uh, please send us the details of the location of, you know, the cinema, the festival, so that for, for our, our listening audience in, in the California region, the California area, they can go to, you know, they can get tickets in time to be able to go and watch the film because Large Door is, is a beautifully made film. You, you, uh, you know, we, like, we've always said this for, for years, how, uh, how proud we are of you. It's like, you know, you're part of the show. So technically it's our film too. Yeah, yeah, exactly. so we're, we're, so, we're, yeah. <laughs> we're happy to promote such a wonderfully made film. And uh, the fact that now it's, it's been picked up in, a, in a, an Academy Award qualifying festival, that's a huge thing. Filmmakers, you know, all filmmakers understand exactly how huge that is. People who aren't necessarily in the film business may not know how huge it is, but it's, it is, it's huge. It's like, you're getting onto that first step of, getting to the academy awards right the oscars and it's you know it's a long road but that road is that journey is not to, is it's it's basically locked off until you get into that room which is first into a festival that is academy award qualifying you've done that and now it's just it's from there moving upwards um you're listening to shoot the breeze on resonance 104.4 fm i'm marcus e Ako. and i'm producer dave and we're here with uh, the, the filmmaker behind Large Door, the film festival director behind Paris International Film Festival, and our close personal friend, Jenna Suru. Jenna, apart from Large Door, what other projects are you currently involved in? 
So I, I was so excited during the past months to um, direct uh, the tribute documentary about Michel Galabru. I think we did mention him also on the previous show. He is a little bit like Anthony Curtis, one of our most amazing and, and known uh, figures. Um, but a lot of his career is not as well known as the Gendarme Saga, which is very known also even internationally, and he's really part of French patrimoine. Um, actually, right now, uh, in terms of um, the rest of my work, I'm working a lot on the festival because we really want to make it up also a little bit like Cannes for those two years where we were virtual, which were which was incredible because you know we managed to to connect with such incredible people, audience members too, you know, filmmakers. Um, but um, we have been throughout these times learning so much about how better we can improve and all we can do. Also, I have like uh, from. Uh, our, our partners are very loyal. So like I have probably up to this of champagne and wine from the partners in my cellar. I, I need to ha have help with that guys. So I hope you come to Canada, I hope you come to Paris. Um, we, for the festival, we are set. Um, it's, it's easy to remember. It's basically around Valentine's day because we are just after Sundance and before EFM in Berlin. Um, so right now I'm focusing on uh, solidifying uh, the details of those partnerships, which I think will be extremely exciting to our filmmaker community. So please do check us out and submit your films or your script or your TV pilots because we are being back in a bigger way. It's gonna be fun. And as, as, as soon as that opportunity arises, we're just going to be plastering it all over our, uh, our, you know, the show notes on our YouTube, on our Facebook channel, et cetera, so that people can go and submit their own films, get themselves, you know, in, in the film festival. Um, with, with that, what sort of work does that involve you do? So for people who are not entirely sure what, go, you know, what goes behind, you know, working in a film festival, like you've been a juror on numerous film festivals. What, what, does it, what does it involve being part of a film festival? First, the first thing I even forget to mention sometimes that it involves watching so many films. So for me, this is why I love drawing for partner festivals or festival is that I do watch everything that is being submitted to us at the Paris International Film Festival. And we have also a wonderful, you know, wonderful screeners, a wonderful team of programmers, but I'm too curious, so I need to watch everything. So it's like, for me, you know, like when, you know, when a festival, I did it recently, I was literally just getting out of a plane from LA and uh, my friend, uh, colleague Tracy Adley at the Valley Film Festival, it's set in North Hollywood. She was like, can you help me program the festival? And I, of course, of course. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm entirely jet-lagged, but I, I absolutely, because for me, it's, I feel it's also a responsibility because I, you know, for me watching even sometimes 30 or 40 more, more films, like I'm used to it, I do it all the time, so I can do it like, you know, I can do it, I can help. So. I'm always here to support, um, you know, festivals. Um, and, um, but in terms, so it's really important. Um, I think I see it like as my addiction now. I, I think it's a sickness, Marcus. <laughs> there is no cure, hey, if, you know? <laughs> if, it's a, if it's a sickness, I was born with that sickness too, because it, that would be my, it, it would be, I, I don't want to say it's my ideal profession, but I would be suited for it to program film. Actually, that's the problem, because I would watch it I would watch it, and producer Dave knows this. I watch a lot of movies that a lot of people invite me to, and we'll leave, and I'd be like, eh. <laughs> it, was, it wasn't wasn't that great. It was, it was so I'd probably so one of two things would happen: either I'd be in a very very good mood, and all the films would go through, or I'd be in my cynical mode, and none of the movies would go through. It'd be like, why did that one not get through? Because did you see it? They crossed the line so many times that you know it just it just kept irritating me. So I just throw it out. They did that once or twice. I don't care. At this level, you need to get it get rid of it. So yeah, that was I good. think to be quite honest, uh, Marcus will be a good juror. Yes. Yeah, yes, that, that's true. I, I, yes. So anybody who's looking for a juror in a film festival, give us a shout and shoot the breeze. Hey, hit us on Twitter at STB underscore Resonance FM or on Instagram, shoot the breeze show. Just do the hashtag. It's all about the three way hashtag shoot the breeze show hashtag Marcus for juror in film festival. <laughs> but producer Dave, if, if I'm being a juror, you have to be a juror too, because the both of us have to watch it. I will, I will say what you need, what you want to say, right? Because I know you don't like, you know, offending people. So you like to be 
polite and nice and, and every, everybody loves producer Dave. Everyone comes to the show and is like, oh, he's a you, you 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 torture producer Dave too much. And it's like you should you shouldn't do that. You should stop stop doing that to him. And I'm like, no, it's I it's he that's not the case. This is our dynamic. It's it's how we are. So if you want two for the price of one, get us jurors for your film festival. I will be the vocal piece of the two of us and I will just say Producer Dave said your film was horrible. I liked it, but Producer Dave said that your film was horrible. So that was that. In other words, he hated it as well, but, uh, you know, he's just blaming <laughs> Well, what is, good, what is good with you guys is that you can be a juror at Paris International Film Festival as a press partner and as an alumnus, you know, a returning alumnus, because you Fantastic. have been so helpful to our absolutely. filmmaking. Uh, absolutely. We will happily do that for 20, 2023. Uh, you're listening to Shoot the Breeze on Resonance 104.4 FM. I'm Marcus Iaco. And I'm producer Dave. And we've had with us, joining us for the last uh, half an hour, uh, the wonderful Jenna Suru, who's been telling us about her films and the pr uh, production, the um, film festivals that she's been involved in. Um, just before we, we let her go, uh, Jenna Suru, if people want to get in touch with you, if people want to follow you on social media, how can people get a hold of you uh, and follow your work? So all the links, both to the Paris International Film Festival and Lash Door, the film about 60s Saint-Tropez, are actually easy to find on genasuru.com. You can find all of them there. At Lash Door Film on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and at Paris Intel Fest on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. We are all over. And to conclude, I, I, would, I would love to um, really, um, you know, kind of make an announcement about all the amazing uh, filmmakers who reach out to us and who support us on our journey, um, including you both. And I really recommend your amazing interviews you had with our filmmakers at Paris this year. They were so educational. We are all about, as you know, we're all about inclusion and representation. I think we're also mostly about authenticity. We really believe um, it's still a working progress and we are on this journey together. So we're just hoping to be a little better every day. But um, I really want uh, to thank and encourage anyone to keep the conversation going with us through social media or, or email or via the website. Absolutely. We'll get loads of people, everyone who comes to us asking for information about you. We'll push them your way and get more people. And we will go back and get some of the uh, interviews, the in interviewees that we had from Paris International Film Festival bring them back in. And, and I've met some wonderful filmmakers from Paris International Film Festival. We've brought them back on at various points. Uh, Ethan Iskow, uh, Serena Ryan, they've come back. They've done, uh, you know, catch-ups a year later mm -hmm. after what they've been doing. One person I want to get a hold of is uh, J.R. Polly, trying to get him back to talk about Marcus and the project that he's been working on, et cetera. Uh, but yeah, so we'll, we will get them back in. So this has been the segment, the spotlight segment, where we've spotlighted our good friend, Jenna Sur. Jenna, thank you very much for joining us um, today. And we hope, we, you know, we definitely, you'll be coming back more and more. And definitely we're going to plan to do Cannes 2023, where we'll be there in person. Shoot the breeze. We'll be there in person. And uh, we'll give, you know, Paris International Film Festival uh, much physical support as possible. Oh, thank you. It all sounds like a reasonable decision. <laughs> Merci. <laughs> It is. It is. We've got a year to plan it. So yes, it'll, it'll happen. It will happen. So we'll use this opportunity. And since we're flipping the segments around, we'll switch into our film and TV news. Listening to Shoot the Breeze on Resonance 104.4 FM. I'm Marcus Iaco. And I'm producer Dave. And that was a wonderful conversation with Jenna Suru coming in, talking to us about her stuff in, in, uh, in LA. But let's jump into film and TV news. So, one of the things, first of all, just before we jump into we, uh, producer Dave, you brought it to my attention uh, a headline that you read from Roku CEO Anthony Wood about the future of television and streaming. What was it? Well, basically, uh, Anthony Wood is saying that um, 
in the future, and he's not specific about when the future is, he's saying that in the future that uh, most TV will end up being streamed. It won't be over the air. You know, at the moment we get asked through an aerial that's on the side of the building or what have you. Some people get it through cable already, but for the most part, a lot of people get it through um, masks that are put up and it's then beamed directly to our homes and we capture it through an aerial that goes to the TV and we can watch it there. But he's saying that the way things are going at the moment, it's the platform is going to shift to streaming. So people will then have to have broadband and what have you to be able to watch BBC One, BBC Two, ITV, and um, all the other package of um, television that you want to watch. So that means things like Freeview, you'd have to have broadband to be able to get all the channels that come with it. We already know that um, Sky has already moved in, in that direction as well. So there might be something there for it. I mean, that's that's true. But again, I mean, take it with a pinch of salt, because obviously Roku's CEO, he's got skin in the game, right? So, um, but I mean, I can see where he's coming from. And as you said, Sky are getting in on it. Uh, you've got you've got BBC and ITV teaming up to do BritBox. Um, so everyone, NBC, Paramount as well, Paramount Plus, they're coming out with their own streaming uh, platform. Um, and I guess if... The, the only people I know that don't have streaming, they don't have any streaming account or don't tend to utilize any sort of streaming method tend to be of a certain generation. And obviously as that generation sort of phase, phases out, then you have the new generation coming in who would have basically been, you know, would have, would have been the generation that was around when streaming pretty much became the norm, right? So they will have that bridge between traditional television, traditional networks, and streaming. And then when that generation phases out, you will have the generation which basically were, you know, they were bred. Don't know any different. Yeah, they were bred on streaming services. And, you know, they, they could, the same way, you know, like my generation, I'm going to date myself, uh, my generation basically used to think of things like Betamax, you know, videotapes or Betamax tapes as basically things that were old and ancient and like, you know, eight track players and stuff. It's like stuff that you'd hear, oh, my grandpa used to used to listen to and used to talk about it. I've never ever seen one before. So you're going to get that kind of generation who will be like, who will be thinking BBC, are you talking BritBox? Oh, no, no, BBC, the thing that my grandparents used to sit down at home and watch on TV, something like that. So those kind of things are essentially where you would get that option where where that would happen. So I, I I can see it. However, I don't know if that would be within our lifetime. I'm just saying. I, I'm just saying. I don't think the there will be a complete switch over to streaming where uh, terrestrial television gets phased out completely. It, it is a large market for the, the NBCs, the, C, the CNNs, uh, BBCs, ITV, etc. They have, they're huge, right? They're a huge industry institution in, in themselves. For them to then switch the lights off would take a radical change, radical move. In my, just my opinion, just some random guy talking on the on, on, a, on a podcast and on a radio yeah, show. Yeah, but uh, so on, on, on that um, note, though, I mean, what happened within our lifetime was that they switched off, um, what was it? They went from... VHF, and that was before my time. Well, no, yeah, before my time. They went from VHF to UHF, and from UHF, it's now digital. So within a space of, what, 30 years, they went from one system straight through to another. And the government is also trying to push everyone off the telephone, the normal telephone, onto the mother sorry the um onto internet phones so in a few years time and i'm not too sure when sometime in the 20s or maybe early 30s but i think in the 20s the traditional tele landline telephone will disappear and everyone will have if they want a, a, a home phone as opposed to a mobile phone they'll have the voice over internet protocol phones as opposed to the traditional sort of like wired phones 
I get that. I, I, I get that. And I, I agree with that. I agree with that completely. I just think that I don't think I don't think that particular move will be that particular move will will be one of the nails in the coffin of terrestrial TV. Absolutely. But, you know, as long as the signal can be provided, you will most likely be able to take take how I mean, you have customers who use Sky, right? Um, they use a satellite dish you know, to be able to get the reception, you know, to watch stuff or, you know, TV shows or et cetera. Um, but they get channels like BBC and the terrestrial channels through Sky. So that would be the same kind of thing, even though even if we switch from the landline, they will switch it. And Sky are even moving to this new um, technique of Sky Glass. They're advertising at the moment where they're not even going to have the um the satellite dish anymore it's literally just the tv and it's going to be fed through it's streaming through it's, it's basically streaming exactly it's streaming it's true yeah yes they'll be streaming they'll streaming right to the tv but they'll still be carrying those regular channels so but who, who knows i will know and, and the, the reason why they're doing that is cost because people don't want to have to go through the cost of putting up a satellite dish and blah 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 uh -huh. maintaining a satellite in all of it as well is very costly but also the infrastructure of maintaining things like crystal palace um tower and all the other sort of like transmitting transmitters cost money streaming is relatively cheap but by that score if you see what i'm saying yeah so it's more likely that at some point they will turn around and say we're going to switch off these transmitters one by one da -da, da -da -da, and people are you know they're, they're they're really pushing for everyone in the country to have um high power broadband or broadband yeah. anyway so as soon as they can get to something like 90 percent penetration throughout the country they will be looking to switch it off We'll, we'll see. We'll, we'll see. We'll we'll look at this in ten years' time and see if um, if if the predictions are correct. It's like watching those episodes of of um, the, you know the is it Tomorrow's World that TV show Tomorrow's World, Oh yeah, where they would say, oh yes, in 10, 20 years' time we'll be riding hovercrafts and whatnot, and it's like really, dude, and no. So we'll see how. It yeah, they did do one that I. I thought it was rubbish at the time, but it did come true. And that was about the car windscreens, because at the time they were just ordinary glass and they talked about this laminated glass, which was going to be, which was, you'd be able to easily fix, blah, 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 just by putting a resin in, da, 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 da. And that's come to pass. So, you know, yeah. So, yeah, some things have come through. Okay. Fair enough. I mean, yeah. You, you, they, I mean, yeah, they, 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 that show ran for ages, right? And they had so many different types of, uh, yeah. uh, things on there. They would have gotten one or two right, right? And, you know, but it's some of the outland. That show was, was, was famous for the outlandish suggestions that it made as to what they thought was going to happen in a relatively short amount of time. But hey, you know, if if they, it would have been it would have considered it would have been considered outlandish back then when that show first came out, talking about you know mobile phones being used for everything else except calling people, and that's true. That's exactly what it is. <laughs> yeah. Which is true. Yeah, that's why a lot of people that people some people have mobile phones that don't even use them to call people. It's more text messages and social media and everything else. But anyway, that's and another web, etc. Exactly. Yeah. You're listening to Shoot the Breeze on Resonance 104.4 FM. I'm Marcus E. Ako. I'm producer Dave. And jumping back into the TV and film uh, sphere, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, or AKA Doctor Strange Part Two, <clears throat> is now dropping on Disney Plus. It dropped this sometime this week. So if you if you missed it at the cinema, or if you watched it and got massively confused for whatever reason, uh, or you watched it and you loved it so much that you want to go watch it again. If you have Disney Plus, it's there for you. It's definitely um, uh, Friday's um, viewing lined up. As soon as I mentioned it to the little ones, they were like, "Yes, absolutely." Friday night is exactly what they, they they've got that lined up already. So we're gonna be watching Doctor Strange: Multiverse of Madness. Uh, Producer Dave, have you seen Doctor Strange: Multiverse of Madness? No. So I will take my I'll take advantage of the fact that it's now dropped on Disney Plus and and watch it there. So I'm surprised you still haven't seen it. Well, I miss it in the cinema and yeah. just never got around to it. So, yeah, it's one of those that I wanted to go and see in the cinema, but other things sort of like took precedence. 
Sure. I mean, for, for me, as I said, from the filmic out, filmic, I don't know if filmic is the right word, uh, from the film output of the MCU, what is currently phase four, um, Doctor Strange and Multiverse of Madness comes in as number two in, in the list. Uh, Spider-Man no way, no way Home is solid, number one. I loved it. They used nostalgia and storytelling just to make, just to, to stay, he knocked it out of the park. Um, I watched it a good number, good three times, I believe I've seen that film, and I really enjoyed every minute of it, every single time I watched it. Um, Doctor Strange, I enjoyed it, watching it at the cinema. Um, and you know, it's one of those kind of things where it's like, you watch it and then you get the, the doubters starting to criticize it and you start to listen to the criticism and you're like, okay, yeah, you're right, you're right. And I'll be honest with you, here's, here's how I'll describe it. I will say to you that for me, watching Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, it, it did the same thing as what Dark Knight Rises did for me, where I watched the movie and I really enjoyed it. I was gripped. I was swept along for the ride that even afterwards when I thought about it and I started thinking, and this doesn't deserve, and this doesn't, and this, I was able to just go, you know what? It's fine. I enjoyed the movie enough to be able to just ignore the plot holes. And there are. There are massive gaping plot holes. Yeah, let's not go there. Let's not go there. No, I'm not I'm not spoiling it. I'm not okay. spoiling it at all. I would like you to watch it and I would like it to be out for a while. And when, once it's been out for a while, then we can do a spoiler episode because I would love to do a spoiler episode of all of those films so that we can chat and talk about it and so on and so forth. Okay, before um, we go on, um, Spider-Man, yes. um, <clears throat> No Way Home. Yes. That was the third in the... Spider-Man films starring Tom Holland. Yes. Do you think he will come back for a fourth? Yes, absolutely. Well, oh, okay. Will he come back for a fourth? That's a good question. Um, he's definitely still in the Avengers universe, in the, in the MCU. He's still there. Absolutely. Will he come back in that same kind of Spider-Man part four? Um. The way they ended it, ooh, that's a good question. Um, I would definitely want them to come back. I, yes, absolutely, I would want them to come back. Um, but they will probably do it the way they did Iron Man, where they did Iron Man 1, and they did a trilogy, right? And they told Iron Man's story in the trilogy, and then just basically said, okay, now we're just going to thrust Iron Man into the world of the Avengers and keep him there. And I think the way they've ended it with Spider-Man, and I'm not giving, we haven't, we're not doing the spoiler bit with Spider-Man now, but you've seen it, right? You, you've seen it. Yes, I have, yeah. Um, I'm not going to do the spoiler bit with Spider-Man, but the way they ended it, if they were to then do an, a, a fourth one, it then becomes a case of a, four, a fourth movie needing to undo all the stuff that they did in No Way Home. You see what I mean? Not necessarily all the stuff. Maybe some of the stuff. The, the main thing that happened at the end. I mean, okay, okay just, just here's what was no, 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 no spoilers. But the main thing that happened <laughs> okay. at the end, right? Yes. Okay, we we, 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 between us, we know what the main thing happened at yes. the end. So you know it's, what the main thing is, but, but exactly, but it's 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 kind of like open ended, if you see what I mean, because it could go one of many ways, and they've also opened up the multiverse. Of course, no, of course, they've opened up the multiverse, right? But that's the thing, they've opened up the multiverse. Um, in both movies, right? In that one and in um, in Doctor Strange Multiverse Madness. They have opened up the multiverse. You can see different versions and whatnot, but we're always going to be sticking main primarily with Earth 616, which is the which is the main, you know, the main continuity for the MCU. That's the primary um, timeline or primary universe that we're going to be sticking with. So whenever we look at Tom Holland's version of Spider-Man, that's the one that we're going to be looking at. So the main event that happened at the very end 
of No Way Home, in my opinion, and obviously take it for what it may be, um, what happens there, it's set it up so that they can still continue with Spider-Man. They can still continue with Tom Holland's Spider-Man in the MCU. He can be dropped into everybody else's movie and the story still works. If they were to do a fourth film, they, what they would need to do is they would need to then go back in and start unpicking what they did at the end of the third one. Now, Some of- so the, the main this is why we need to have a spoiler episode of these movies so that we can focus primarily on it. I'll tell you what, how about this? Um, I, I don't know if, I mean, we could, we, we, we probably will get messages from a number of our, uh, our friends who want to come in and start publicizing a lot of their stuff over the, you know, for the next couple of weeks. If, you know, but let's park that stuff for next week. How about we start doing our Marvel spoiler episodes from next week? What do you think? Um, no, I think next week is too soon. I think for, for No Way Home. I, for No Way Home, yeah, definitely. There's lo- there's loads of people who haven't seen it yet. All right. So, okay, okay, fine. Let's outline some of the things that we want. I want to do that. I want to do an episode. I want to do an episode. We'll figure it out. We'll we'll, yeah, we'll, we'll, figure, it. we'll figure it out and then announce it. Yeah. Excellent. Uh, you're listening to Shoot the Breeze on Resonance 104.4 FM. I want to thank you all very much for taking time to sit down with us, uh, you know, listen to us ramble incoherently at times uh, on our favorite subjects and favorite films, etc. Uh, if you didn't do this, I wouldn't be doing this. Uh, if you didn't listen to us, I probably would be, but nobody would listen. We'd just be going into the atmosphere. <laughs> Um, as always, I'd like to thank Resonance FM for giving us the opportunity to keep talking and not listening to our show, otherwise it would have cancelled us. Uh, and want to thank all our guests who come on every time, every week to promote their product, for getting us to wor- work with them and be part of their creative journey. Jenna Suru, the Shakespeare Sisters, Bijang Tong, all of those people who come in and they share their journey with us. We deeply appreciate it. You have been listening to Shoot the Breeze on Resonance 104.4 FM. I have been Marcus E. Ako. I'm still producer Dave. Thank you very much for listening. Speak to you all next time. Goodbye. Bye.